0: Well, good morning. Welcome to Better Life Church. So glad you're here. If this is your first time or first time in a long time, thank you for being our guest. We, we were so thankful that you chose to come and worship with us today. And also, we are one church in three locations. We have a campus in Ashland and Grayson. Come on, can we do good for Ashland or Grayson campus? Come on, man. Yes. So excited what God's doing in this region, all the way from West Virginia, all the way over and all in between here. I'm telling you, it's just amazing to hear the lives. Changing stories that are happening. So it's such an honor and privilege to, to be part of this movement to see what God is up to. And today I'm really super excited as we could, we continue in May, as we had these kind of standalone messages of going back, you know, back in the beginning from the vault, pulling things out. And, but today is very special because, you know, I believe that God allows people to cross our path for reasons. And a few years ago, this guy named Ray, Pastor Ray and I, we connected and uh, we started talking and man, just to see what God was doing in his life and how God has used him greatly, I thought, man, you need to come and speak to our staff. And so right before COVID hit, he came and he spoke to our staff and poured in leadership into our hearts and our lives. And. We're so grateful for that. Well, the other day, I was in Lexington, and we were both shopping, and, you know, because he's, he's, you know, GQ and all, looking all good and stuff. I said, hey, man. He said, what are you doing? I said, man, I got to find an Easter outfit. <laughs> you know, I got to find something. So we're at Express, and we're looking around, and we're talking, and he, I had my hat on. He didn't recognize it. I said, what's up, man? And we connected, and immediately, I thought, dude, you got to come preach, man. I want you to come and preach. Uh, it's a better life church, because this is a family that just loves to hear God's word and, and, and ready for God to speak and move, and so come on at Ashland and Grayson and online and Moorhead. Would you please give it up for Pastor Ray Green? Come on. Well, good morning. It
1: is an honor. It really is an honor to be here with each and every one of you today. Uh, Those also at the other campuses and if you're watching online, thanks so much uh, for joining. And, um, man, it has been fantastic to hear how God is moving through y'all's church. I mean, that's amazing, and I just want to say thank you for doing what you're doing, impacting not just one town but an entire county. Um, and also, I'm just so thankful for. And I, maybe you're thankful for your pastor. Are you thankful for Pastor Daniel? He, he's the he's the he's the real deal, and he has better he has better uh, uh, taste in clothing too than me, anyways. But he is a real deal, but I love his family even more. I got to spend some time with them last night, and uh, it was fantastic. Fantastic family, and it's so good to be here. A little bit about me: uh, I come from Lexington. Uh, my family and I live there. I've pastored for a number of years. There's a picture of my family and me. My wife Sarah. We've been married um, almost 16 years. June 2nd will be 16 years. And um, you know, I always tell people that I outkick by punt coverage with my bride. And it's certainly the case. that I've got two daughters, uh, eight and eleven, and today they're getting ready to go hang out with their grandma in Ohio. So that's good. I come from Central Ohio, and the Lord has given me the opportunity to serve His church for 17 plus years as a pastor. And you know, I love to do so many things as a pastor, but maybe my favorite thing is just to open God's Word and to learn what it has. For me and for my time. And that's what we're gonna to do today. So, I'd love for you to find the Gospel of Luke, the Gospel of Luke. And as you're finding that, I would find, I'd love for you to turn to chapter 12. And the Gospel of Luke is written by a guy by the name of Luke, he's a physician. And he, it is a certifiably accurate document. Historians, if, if you're maybe a doubter or you're maybe a seeker, this uh, gospel, the book of Luke, is certified by scholars and historians alike. And what I love about Luke, maybe more than any of the gospels, is it highlights the interactions with the Gentiles. And in that culture, first century that culture, the Jewish people and the Gentile people didn't get along. And so the, the Gentiles were kind of on the peripheral. They were the outsiders, if you will. And they were labeled, even so much to say they were labeled as like too far from grace. But what I love is that the love of Jesus Christ, it pushes us beyond labels. And I think that has a message for us today because we're always labeled, right, today. Like we're in middle school, then we're in high school, then we're in college, or we're, we're in working, and we're doing this, we're a mom, we're a dad, we're this, we're that. and there's all kinds of labels. And if we're not careful, our labels, friends, it, they'll actually limit our lives. But the beauty of the gospel is we don't have to live with labels. And one of the things that I wanna talk about today is one specific label. And whether you're watching online or you're here in person, I think we've all worn this label. How many of you have ever worn the label of being a worrier? Raise your hand. The rest of you are a bunch of liars. All right, we'll just pray right now. We all, we've all done it. We've all worn that label, and maybe you've worn the label of worrying about your health, worrying about your job, worrying about your family, your, the economy, worrying about if UK's ever gonna get back to the national championship game in basketball, right? We toss and we turn. Have you ever been laying down and you're worried about something and it just keeps going over and over and over and over and over again and you can't get it out of your mind, can't get it out of your heart, and it just sits there? I don't know about you, but this is where I have been in my life. And so that's why this is such a critical passage and truth for me today. And there was a, a survey that was done not too long ago. There was a bunch of scientists who got together and they got all these participants to include this experiment. And what they did was, as they said, we want you to go to bed and right before bed, we want you to write down everything that you worry about. So for, I think it was 20 days, they wrote down all these things that they were worried about. So They waited after that a, a, a period of time. And I think it was another 20 days or 40 days after that. And after that period of time, the scientists came back to the whole group, they got them all together, and they said, hey, did any of those things that you wrote down come true that you worried about? And 91.4% of all the things they wrote down never came true. And that's where we are, that we spend some of our time worrying. And if we're not careful, worry can run wild in our life. If you've ever seen those you know, National Geographic movies where you've got the lion chasing down the gazelle. And we feel like that if we're not careful, we can let worry just run wild in our life and we let open the door to it and it can destroy. And it's not a coincidence that the, the actual, the word worry actually comes from the Anglo-Saxon word to literally constrict, to actually choke out. And that's exactly what it has done in my life so very often. And so Jesus, he's gonna speak into that. Here in chapter 12, and the context is, is that the first century followers of Jesus, they were worried. First of all, they were Jewish, which meant that they had these, these Romans bearing down on them, taxing them. They didn't know where their next meal would come from. Second of all, they were worried because they were followers of this Jesus Christ. And at the time, the, the, they were being persecuted more and more and more, and their enemies were being multiplied. They were encountering real persecution. And number three, and this is the one that I think a lot of times worry stems from, is the, there are more unknowns than there were knowns. And so he's just gotten done telling the story of the rich fool, and Jesus, he begins to tell them and instruct them and speak into them about this thing called worry. I want you to look at it with me in verse 22. It says, and he said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or about your body, what you will put on, for life is more than food and the body more than clothing. So they were worried, and Jesus says, hey, don't do it. And for some of you, worry is like your spiritual gift. I mean, that's just what you do all the time. And telling you, hey, just don't worry, that's like telling somebody who can't sleep at night, like, just go to sleep, right? It's like you sit there at night and you're like, go to sleep, go to sleep, go to sleep, but you can't do it. But what I want you to notice here is that Jesus, he isn't talking about showing concern. Jesus was a man that promoted concern. He said, don't worry, and there's a difference. And here's what I want you to know. The concern looks at possible difficulties, all right, and creates action. But worry looks at the improbable and creates inaction. I'm sure you've done that. I've done that. I've spent so much of my time worrying, and I've just kind of spun around in my own life instead of actually promoting and being concerned about something. Jesus, he's champion showing concern. He said in the gospels, he said no man builds a tower without first sitting down and calculating the cost. Jesus isn't saying hey, you shouldn't have a smoke detector. Jesus isn't saying you shouldn't have life insurance. Jesus isn't saying that you shouldn't have a budget. If you're concerned about your finances, well then go back to your budget, execute the budget. If you're concerned for your marriage, then seek out help. If you're concerned for this area of your life or that area of your life, and it's a true concern and you have valid reasons, well, then, you know what? Seek it out and, and take a step forward in that as God instructs you. But worrying is a totally different matter. And Jesus, in his word, he's saying that. Because, see, worry, what it means at the very core, like I talked about, it means to divide. It means to debilitate. And Jesus gave a good example of this in Matthew chapter 13. He was talking about the the parable of the sower. And maybe you've heard about the parable of the sower. And you know, the sower is walking around, he's throwing out the seeds. And the seed is the word of God. The seed is the kingdom of God and the gospel. And it germinates in the hearts and lives of people. And and, and they grow as believers and followers of Jesus. And he tells about how one seed in particular, it's like choked out by the worries of the world. And I don't know about you, but that's exactly what happens to me. That I'm like, okay, I'm following the Lord. I'm trying to be a good husband. I'm trying to be a good dad. I'm trying to be a good teammate where I work and where I serve. And all of a sudden, all these worries begin to choke out my life. And so Jesus said, I don't want you to do that. I don't want you to go where that is. And if you don't do that, worry is going to run wild. So I want to ask you a question. Why do we worry? Have you ever thought about that? Why we worry? There are several reasons why we worry. The first one is this, is because of our resources. Our resources. Now, you may be thinking, well, I don't have a lot of resources, or maybe you have a lot. I don't know. But we all have it, and we worry because of it. The, the, the wealthiest man in the world, Solomon, in Ecclesiastes 5, he said it like this, The sleep of a laborer is sweet, whether he eats little or much, but the abundance of a rich man permits him no sleep. <laughs> A wise man once said this, being kidnapped and held for ransom never worried a poor man. It's true. We worry because of our resources, but number two, we worry about our life because of the news. How many of you have worry creep into your life because of the news, just to be honest with you? You know, in Jesus' time, there was news, but it was just word of mouth. Today, though, we've got our social media machine, don't we? and we turn on our phones, we turn on our tablets, our TVs, and it's 24 seven. If it bleeds, it leads, and what we forget is is that we're the product being sold to the advertisers by the media empires. But we worry because of it, don't we? Here's another reason why we worry. We worry because of family. Now now, just follow with me, okay? How many of you are parents and you've worried about your kids? Yeah, like, like every parent here is worried. If you're a grandparent, you're like, have you worried about your grandkids? Yes, that's right. You probably should have had them first, right? Instead of your kids. (laughs) That's another matter. But we've all worried about it. And and here's the funny thing about that. I don't worry about your kids. You don't worry about my kids. But we worry about our own kids, right? We just um, celebrated Mother's Day not too long ago. And um, Irma Bombach. she's one of my favorite moms. And she's real funny. If you've never read some of her stuff, she writes this about worry. She says, one of the dumbest pieces of advice ever given to me by my kids is don't worry. Are they crazy? That's my job. I've elevated worrying to an art form. This means I can take something as insignificant as mom I'm staying home on New Year's Eve, so don't worry about me and lie awake all night wondering why my son has no social life. If one of them drives an old car, I worry that some night on a dark road the cow will die and someone will tap them over the head with a tire iron. If he takes a vacation, I worry that he can't afford it. If he changes jobs, I worry he's unstable. If he stays at one job too long, I worry that he's in a rut and he'll never get ahead. If he comes home too often, it's probably because he has no friends. If he never comes home, I know he plans to put his parents on ice, flow, and have the world probated. If he eats too much, I worry about his cholesterol. If he looks too thin, I worry he has an eating disorder. The other night, my husband said, and I love this, he said to her, do you realize that all three of our kids are employed and their cars are running? What do you think the odds are of that happening? You have nothing to worry about. She said back, fool, how long can that last? To have family means you worry. But the most fundamental reason why I believe you and I worry, that when worry runs wild in our life, it's when our faith, that it erodes in our life and it crumbles, and we open the gate to worry in our life and it comes running after us like a wild animal. And so the question that I wanna ask today is, how do you rebuild a crumbling faith, a faith that's failed? Well, Jesus here in chapter 12, he's gonna give us those three things, and I want you, if you're taking notes, maybe just jot these down, write these down, maybe this will encourage you today The first one is this, that he says, I wanna help you close the door of worry in your life because we can rebuild your faith because of faith in God's care. Faith in God's care, that God cares for his children. Look at it with me in verse 24. Jesus says, consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn. And yet God feeds them. Of how much more valuable are you than the birds? Jesus, he was a fantastic communicator. If he would have been, you know, speaking today, he would have been like, you know, birds. They don't have 401ks. They don't have like daytimers or budgets or wear helmets. They're good. And he's relating to birds. And in that culture, you know, maybe one flew up and he saw it and he related to it or whatever. But they would have understood the birds because you know, there were migratory birds all over, especially in the, sea, the Mediterranean Sea in that culture. And they knew without a shadow of a doubt that the birds were taken care of. And birds, um, you know, I don't know if you knew this or not, but they eat two to three times their weight. All right, That's like a lot of Chick-fil-A. They never, never worry at all. And, 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 and God is saying to them and to us, he's saying, listen, I've promised to take care of you. If I can take care of birds, why can't I take care of you? You know, whenever I worry, I've always forgotten God's promises. I've always forgotten God's care. Jesus continues in verse 25. In which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? We try to add um, minutes to our life, don't we? We eat better, we, we try to do this, we try to do that, and, and all of this, my wife always bugs me about eating certain kinds of food. She's like, you know, you don't wanna do this, so I wanna keep you alive a little longer, and I'm thankful for that. But Jesus says, if then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? And then he says in verse 27, this is an action word, I love this, he says, consider. Would you all say that with me, the word? Consider. He says, consider the lilies, how they grow. Now he's using another illustration. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today, and tomorrow is thrown into the, into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? He says to those disciples, he says, consider and I want you to know what that word means. That word, what it means is it means to think on something, to process it in your heart, and your life, and your brain specifically, and I think about something that's actually true. We like to think a lot of things that might not actually be true. We can focus on them. We can spend all of our time on them. But Jesus says, no, I want you to think about what's true. What's a promise for me? What's actually going to happen based upon what I've said is going to happen? That's what he wants them to think about. That's why the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, he says, don't be conformed to the image of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Renewing your mind on what is true, not untrue. That, That he cares for you, that he wants to take care of your." physical needs, your spiritual needs, your emotional needs, and your spiritual needs were taken care of by the cross itself. God literally sending his son Jesus on an execution tool that Napoleon invented and the Romans perfected to the point where it was the most excruciating thing that could ever happen to a human being, and our Lord and Savior literally went upon it for you and for me. That's how much he cares for you. And, and I don't know where you are today, but you know I, I grew up in a home where I didn't have a good relationship with my dad. We, we, later on in our life, our relationship was improved. But for a period of time, I had a hard time actually understanding the love of God. And if you're like that today, what I want you to do is I want you to think about the cross. And every time you, you see that execution tool, every time you see a tattoo or in someone's house or whatever, an action step would be just to think on it and to process it and arrive at the conclusion over and over and over again that God cares for you. He cares for you. So faith in God's care. But then secondly, I want you to see a second thing that rebuilds a faith that fails. Faith in God's plan. Faith in God's plan. Jesus says, and do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink. Those are the two big ones. He says, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things and your father knows that you need them. Instead, he says another action word. He says, seek his kingdom and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So faith in God's plan. This is what Jesus was telling the disciples and he says to you and I right now in this place. He says, God, your heavenly father, if you're in Christ, He is your your awesome provider and he has a plan and he will provide for you everything according to his riches in Christ and through Christ Jesus, according to Philippians. He knows that God is on the throne and nothing that has happened or will happen is gonna deviate the plan of God, amen? So we don't have to worry about our health. We don't have to worry about the economy. We don't have to worry about this or that. We can't worry about UK coming back, coming back in basketball. But everything else, we shouldn't worry. And Jesus says, instead of spending all of our time and all of our attention on those things, he says, I just want you to put your focus and everything you've got on just seeking after my kingdom. And it's amazing to me when I begin to do that, how things change. Instead of all the things that I think that I'm missing, I just get back to what I have in the Lord. And when I get there and then I begin to worship and I begin to pray and I begin to serve, I become the follower, the light that Jesus talked about in Matthew chapter six that I'm supposed to be in the first place. Because we all got a neighbor or we all live close to somebody. We all have family members. We all have coworkers. And guess what? They worry too. Just like you, they're anxious too. Even though they may not admit it, they're going through it. But the difference is that you can be a light because you're not captivated by it all. And eventually, they're gonna take notice of that. And so what I want you to do is I want you to think through what's it gonna take for you to actually trust in the plan of God. So I, I wanna tell you a quick story. I come from central Ohio and um, I'm just the son of a mechanic, grew up in a real small little redneck town called Newark, Ohio, and all the locals call it NERC, okay, to give you an idea about how, uh, how redneck it is. And um, I grew up there, and we would go four-wheeling all the time. Anybody ever been four-wheeling before? Okay, so you know exactly what I'm about to talk about. So we would go mudding, like we'd go through creeks and mud and have a blast. I like to be outside, I like to hunt and fish and stuff, but we would do that all the time. So a couple years ago, a buddy of mine owns a farm, and I hunt on his farm and he said, Hey, you want to go with me and a couple other guys? mudding on the farm. I'm like, yes, let's go. So it's him and I in the side by side that he owns. And four-wheelers have evolved throughout the years, right? Like it used to be it was just four wheels and an engine. Now it's like, like a windshield, and you can ride next to each other, and there's like a windshield wiper. I mean, it's it's like a car, basically. And, and so we're in this thing that's really nice and we're going up and down these, these ravines and valleys and I don't know if you've ever been in one of these things. I'm in the passenger seat kind of holding on and he's driving. And the thing about my buddy is he has no fear. Like he's a complete daredevil. And I'm not as much, okay? And so he's like, all right, here we go. And we go sailing over this hill. I mean, like we get airborne and he's going, woo, and I'm like, ah, you know? And we go sailing over, we hit the ground, and then we hit this creek at the bottom. And the nose of the, of the side-by-side hits, hits that creek, and mud just splashes up on the windshield. And he's smiling, and I'm like, ah, you know, as he keeps going. And what does he do? He just turns on that wiper and that solvent. and whoosh, whoosh, He can see again. You know, and God, not too long after that, he said, that's exactly what your life is like. Like COVID happens, your dad dies, Ray. All these things take place in your life and all these worries hit the windshield of your life and you're like, ah! you're freaking out and you don't know what to do. And that is when God's word, the solvent of your life, is able to literally clean things off and you see the plan of God. And you may be a Christ follower who just started last week or a long time ago. But I'm telling you what, the, the solvent of, of our life, God's word is to be trusted like never before in our culture today. Because it speaks, it speaks. Let me show you some of the ways it speaks. When I fail, when I'm not a good dad, when I'm not a good husband, when I'm not a good teammate, when pride gets the better of me, or whenever, whatever happens, I go back to the solvent God's word of my life, and I look at Romans chapter eight and it says, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That his grace is sufficient for me. Or when I'm worried about my inadequacy, when all of us are worried about our inadequacy, God's word is solvent for my life. There's a plan for my life, and in 2 Corinthians, it says, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is perfected in weakness. And that scripture I've held to so often the case when he called me into full-time ministry and I had failed speech class. And my speech teacher said, you will never publicly communicate. And I was like, I'm okay with that, thank you very much. And then God says, oh, by the way, I want you to publicly communicate. Really? or when I'm worried about the news, when I'm worried about the latest thing that happened in the Dow Jones, when I'm worried about this, when I'm worried about that, and I go back to Hebrews chapter 12, it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to who? Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith who perfected it to the point where it, our actual death was arrested on the cross, so we don't have to worry anymore. He has a plan for our life. Our time has already been set. God knows when your life is going to end, so we don't have to worry about anything. He's got a plan. All we gotta do is just cling to God's word and trust him. So let me ask you as an action step, real practically speaking, how are you doing with, in relation to walking in God's solvent for your life? Wiping off all those worries on your windshield. Are you diving into it? Is it really, really applying into your life right now? Are you reading it, are you understanding it, and are you walking alongside of other people that do? If not, I'd encourage you to take your first step. If you've never done it before, well then open up one of the Gospels. Start reading the Gospel of Luke. You know that if you read the Gospel of Luke beginning to end, it's about two hours. Now I'm not saying to do that, but you could just do a little bit, a chapter a day for 30 days, and you've more than covered the gospel. I have a really good friend who, um, a couple years ago, um, I got the opportunity to introduce him to Jesus Christ. And um, he, he just started learning about the Bible and learning about all, everything that has to do with Christianity. And I'll never forget, one day he came to me. And, and he's real task-oriented, okay? And he says, hey man, I'm so excited. I finally finished reading through the whole Bible. I said, Barry, that is awesome. Congratulations, good job. But let me ask you a question, Barry. How many times has the Bible been through you? It's one thing to to read it. It's another thing when it actually goes through your life, through your mind, through the very intention of your life. So faith in God's plan. Finally, the last way that we rebuild a faith that fails, faith in God's goodness. And I love this. Jesus, he says it in verse 33. He says, sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in heaven that does not fail. Where no thief approaches and no moth destroys, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Now, Jesus wasn't telling those disciples that day that stuff's bad. They had stuff. How many of you have stuff? We all have stuff, right? At all the campuses, online, all of us, we all got stuff. What Jesus is saying is, don't let your stuff own you. He says, because when it does, your entire security is based on something that's gonna fail. Instead, as he would tell the disciples how to pray, he would just pray that God would give you your bread for today, your sustenance, your daily bread in your day that you've been given. And and I've experienced it over and over and over again, the faithfulness of God. I've seen generosity spurred by the goodness of God. I've seen somebody step out in faith and trust the Lord and give back to him and seek his kingdom and put their treasure in the Lord and his goodness overwhelm their life. Over and over and over again, I've also seen that a worried heart and a generous heart is very hard to coexist. You know, can I just press into your life for a moment? And I promise you, Pastor Daniel did not tell me to t- talk about this at all. But can I just press into your life for a moment? Are you white knuckling on your resources, on your finances? And you're sitting there going, oh, I knew it, pastors are gonna talk about money. Sweetheart, let's get the wallet, and get out of here while we still have a chance. No, that's not my point here. But if you're anything like me, and you have white-knuckled your finances, perhaps maybe in this moment, God's goodness could overwhelm you to where you would say, Lord, I'm going to be faithful to give it back to you. I started a long time ago just giving a small little bit back as an exercise to rebuild my faith in God's goodness. And ever since that point, he's always, always been faithful. I'm not saying God will make you rich, but what I am saying is he's going to be faithful to you. So maybe that's an action point today for you to say, you know what? I'm going to give back to God. Maybe it's just a small little bit. Maybe it's a dollar. Maybe it's ten. I don't know. But maybe it's ten thousand. I have no idea. But the point is, is that God's goodness will overwhelm your life as you trust Him more and more and more. You know, I don't want us in our life, this one life to live, to spend it worrying it away. So when our faith begins to fail, I want you to just think about those three things, as Jesus would say. He cares for you, he has a plan for you, and he's good. I was, uh, a couple years ago, I'm 42 years of age, and I had just gotten done speaking, I had a young boy approach me, and I love the, just, just the you know, boldness of a, of a young person. And they walk up, and he's a, he's a young boy, and he goes, hey pastor, how old are you? I said, I'm 40 years old, how old are you? And he says, eight and two thirds. It's funny, right? Like when you're young, you you. You, you measure how old you are by, you know, months. And I thought to myself, man, when was the last time that I thought about that? You know, like I'm like 38 and a half. I, I hadn't done that in a long time. Now, some of you you, you, you don't do that and you actually stop counting how old you are, right? Like you, your age stopped and you just stopped counting. Like my girls know that my wife, <laughs> my wife stopped counting at 39 and she's holding there right there. And we just use the same Hallmark card over and over and over every year on her birthday, which saves us money. But I do know this, that no matter how old we are and what life is bringing, we're all looking forward. There is a story that I wanna close with. Real true story. There was a, a young lady and she entertained the thought in her heart that when she would get married and have kids, she'd finally have everything she wanted. She'd finally have what would make her fulfilled and she'd stop worrying So she gets married and has kids. And she's in the middle of like changing diapers and staying up all night and expending resources. And her husband and her are struggling through it. And she thinks to herself, man, this isn't what I thought. Nobody told me it would be this hard, right? And so what does she do? She goes, you know what, when the kids are out of the house, that's when it's gonna be good and I'm not gonna have to worry anymore and I'm gonna be able to relax and enjoy life. So the kids get out of the house and they get into college. And she's like, this is awesome. And all of a sudden, her husband comes to her and says, hey, honey, it's gonna be more expensive than we thought Going for the kids to go to college. We wanna help them go to college. It's our responsibility. So can you work not only inside the home, but outside of the home? So she goes to work. And so for years, she's like, all right, I'm gonna work. And then as soon as the kids get out of college, that's when I'm gonna enjoy life. That's when I'm not gonna worry. That's when I'm gonna be fulfilled. So she works. The kids all get through college. She goes to her boss. She gives her boss a resignation letter. And, and he said, she says, I'm resigning. And he says, oh, why would you do that? She says, wait a minute. He said, if you just work 10 more years, you'll have a pension. And then, man, all this money you're leaving on the table, then you better do everything you've always wanted to do. So she goes, okay, 10 more years. She works 10 years, and every day at that office, she marks it off on the calendar, looking forward to the day. She'll never worry. She'll be fulfilled, and all those things. Finally, 10 years comes. She resigns. Her and her husband sell her house. They move to Florida. They sit on the front porch of this house they built, and they leaf through the pages of their life, the good old days. And isn't that our life? And so my prayer, my hope for you, just like it is mine, that the words of Jesus... And the truth of his care, his goodness, and his plan would help us to live right now, the day that we have in 2022, amen? Would you bow your head with me? And I'm just gonna ask that you would, if you so choose and and want, that you would make a simple declaration to God in this moment. And the declaration would be, if you're so bold, that you would just repeat these words out loud. Sometimes it helps me to just say something out loud. And so what I'm gonna do is I'm just gonna lead you in a very simple prayer to God, a prayer of trust and rebuilding your faith. So if you'd like, no pressure, but if you'd like to just pray this out loud, just repeat this after me. Heavenly Father, In this moment now, would you rebuild my faith? Help me to know your care for me. Help me to know your plan for me. And help me to know the goodness that you show to me. Now, God, I can't do it on my own. But I pray through your power that I can walk in it today. And everyone together, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.